Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It started. It started. It has started. It's begun. This is the podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about really awesome ladies in history. Yep. Hi. Hello. <laughs> this is my first podcast to uh, be a part of and also to ever listen to. So Amazing. This is my, like, third. This is a day of firsts and also thirds. What are those, prime numbers? They are prime numbers. <laughs> it's a special day. <laughs> well, I guess that's the name of this series, Prime Numbers. Prime Numbers? Sure. <laughs> I don't have a name in mind yet. I was thinking Lady of the Week, but then I went, that just sounds weird. Lady of the Week. That made me think of Lady of the Night. Exactly. That's why I was like, eh. But, like, more stable job. Like, Lady She's, of the Night, if she yeah, yeah, yeah. had a 9 to 5. If she was, like, if she had set hours. Like, 9 like p.m. to 5 a.m., of course, because but do you it's think the like, night. I bet that they have set hours. But they get to choose their own hours. Do you really think they have set hours? Well, they get to choose them, or their pimp does. I guess it depends on, like, how good of a situation they're in. 100%. As ladies of the night. You're right. So maybe this won't what be about men of the, the night? night, you know? I don't want to be... Night? I don't want to be... You know what? You're right. It's a very gender thing. We I don't... Can, we don't... I'm a menist, so... <laughs> Just are you now? I want to keep sure that the men are happy. Yeah, that's <clears> what's <throat> important. I, I, having gone to a women's college, I really... I learned a lot about it. Having only pretty much exclusively studied women in history, yeah. I also think that's what's needed. I think so, too. Great. This is great. I'm glad that we've I'm glad we've established this. our stance on this. Yeah. Um, my name is Maura. I'm Chloe. And I've made sure Chloe knows absolutely nothing about what we're going to talk about. I don't even know the name of the person. I mean, it's sitting right there. Did you turn your head to not see it? What's interesting is that, as I said that, I caught a glimpse (laughs) (laughs) of the title of your notebook. But other than that, I really did not know. And I, now that I'm looking at it, do not know who that is. Amazing. this works out. This is really exciting. Maura's going to teach me. We're going to talk about... (laughs) She's going to give me an education I'm going to give... We're going to break it down. We're going (laughs) to... I'm going to talk about... A woman whom I first hated when I read about her, just because I didn't like the way she treated her daughter-in-law. Okay, that's And fair. her daughter-in-law is my favorite person ever in history. Mm. The reason we're not talking about my favorite person ever in history is because I have a lot of weird... Like, I feel so responsible for her that I... Mm. There's a lot of pressure associated. Like, I've had a play I've been working on it for, like, four years about oh, her, geez. and it's maybe ten pages long, because I'm like, it's not right. Right, 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 right. So... I have to want to feel established. So I figured we'd go with, with this lady here. And she's a badass. Like, the more I learned about her, the more I'm like, oh, I can't hate you. Right. I, I guess can hate I... a lot of men in her life, which always endears me to her. Right. Any woman in history, if there's a single man I can loathe, I'm, I'm in. That's right. my in. That seems like a pretty easy way in. Yeah, I just want to say I've been staring at your eyebrows and they look really great. 
Oh, thank you so much. You're I think what's welcome. great about that is that if anybody <laughs> ever listens to this, they'll never know what they look like. Never. So I really appreciate that you brought it up verbally, mm. just so that everyone would know. Mm-hmm. Let me say, yours are looking great too. Stop it. <laughs> I will not. Oh my god, <laughs> this is the best. We're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. Here. Okay. They don't so even today, know who they the don't person even know. is. No, you don't even know who the person is. <laughs> today, we're gonna talk about. Matilda of England. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Not the musical. Not the Broadway musical. Not the Broadway musical. There are many Matildas. And there are many Matildas... That's the literal only one I care about. ...who've lived in England, (laughs) including Roald Dahl's, but... Which was one of my favorite books growing up. One Sorry, of my favorite is she movies. Not fictional? Are we going to talk? She's fictional. Yes, I just want this to... woman. No, no, no. No, Matilda. Yeah, yeah. But there are also a lot of important. I, you just real really Matildas. spoke about her like she was a walk and talk. She was real to me when I was like, a child. I'm friends. so sorry. Yes, of course. <laughs> I loved her. I just clocked in the last part of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> also, she liked to read, and I did too. It's fine. Okay, I like to read too. Thought I was adopted. It's fine. Wow. We're learning a lot. Is that why I like Cinderella? We're learning a lot today, aren't we? (laughs) You're about to learn even more. Oh, (laughs) the excitement is palpable. Let me get my reading classes. (laughs) Oh my god! Thank God. What's funny is that they weren't at the ready before this. (laughs) They were not because I think you know. Do I need them? Right, right. right. Yes, you do, Mora. You're half blind. Okay. I have this (laughs) thing where my eyes go in two different directions. They don't cross. You know, I think I. Low key, have that too. Do you want to see it? Sometimes I. Oh, interesting. When just like kind of, she just kind of drifts. Yeah, yeah. When I was really tired in class, it would start like happening, and I would get really weird looks from teachers because I always sat in like the second row. Of course, never the first, but the second row. That's interesting. I don't like to be in spitting range. The first is like you're being too too obvious. I'm too. You're being too obvious. Second row is like I'm very interested. Here you go. You know, also something I feel like I learned. As a front row sitter. <laughs> yes, you were. Yes, you fucking were. You um, occasionally, beaver. occasionally. Let's say uh-huh. f- first two years of college, I'll yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that the the professor doesn't actually look at the people in the front they row. They do not. And I'm... They pretend you I'm don't. I'm a know. slut for eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> like, I needed them to look at me. And they weren't giving that to you? Because How it, did you feel without that validation? Awful. It was impossible to pay attention. It was keep, all I could think about. Did you keep moving back to see if you could catch their... Well, no. Then I just started online shopping in class. That Amazing. was... Not purchasing, but, you know, like window shopping. But sure. The online version. Sure. I would articles reported on you in class. I cannot believe that. <laughs> I'm hurt, I think. I mean, anonymously. Like... <laughs> It's distracting when people are on their yeah. laptops doing... Yeah. No, I, I fully... <laughs> What's funny is that I felt that way about other people. I was like, why are they why doing Why are it? they doing it, but you were doing it? But I was but like... But if I didn't care about the class, I like won't lie and say that I never did that. But most of the time, I was so like aggressively into my professors wow. and like, their credentials <laughs> and what they were... The gold that they were giving to me yeah. that I... Uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't I couldn't do that to them. There was something about being at Columbia where like too many people cared, mm. and you kind of got lost in it. That's the same with Hopkins. And the 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 classes were too large. Ooh, and I were just didn't. Well, I took a lot of psych classes. Ooh. Oh yeah, psych Shoot. is really big at Barnard and Columbia. At yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got oh, four yeah. different brain science majors. We love four. That. Let me tell you about. Do you need neuroscience, that? neurobiology? 
It was neuro... Hold on. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Next tour guide. Neuroscience, (laughs) cognitive science, psychology and brain sciences. You're really on the spot here. Behavioral neuroscience? No. Behavioral science? No. Behavioral. No. I can't remember. Wow, you're a shitty tour guide. I was an amazing tour guide. I would not take a tour. I have a capacity to remember an insane amount of information. Okay, well, you can't remember the four. No, it's been two years. Today is the second year anniversary of graduating from college. I feel... How old do you feel? I feel about a thousand years old. Um, Being at my brother's graduation yesterday, I felt not a million years old, Mm. but I was like, I'm not there anymore, and that's weird. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Weird. Mm. Shall we get back to Matilda? I guess so. I guess it's time to... it's time. We're both clearly missing college, so let's jump right back in. Let's talk about Matilda here. (laughs) She's born in 1102. Like this 12th century. This is my fucking favorite century. And the best century, I would argue. Honestly, it's the it's it's. Okay, I say let's that get with real. No knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> this 12th century, we're in the High Middle Ages. Let's set the scene. We're in the High Middle Ages, right? It, it's not very long after William the Conqueror's like fuck it, England's mine. Right. In fact, she is a direct descendant of his. Because she's a badass. Um, and. Uh, Feudalism's, like, legit, but not as formalized as in other countries. And don't think of Italy as being a country. They're warring city-states. If that. Some's a, one's a kingdom. It's confusing. Okay. The Pope is legit. He's real. He's important. Sometimes there's two Popes. Sometimes one's in France. Right, right. Avignon. There's, like, a backup Pope. There's an anti-Pope. Right. And I love that he's called an anti-Pope. Mm-hmm. Because he's not anti-pope. <laughs> I mean, he just thinks he's a pope. But he's not. Okay. According to the pope in Rome. That's but so then sad. But here's the debate. Who's to decide, right? Who's yeah. to decide? It's a war. So this is the world Love we're it. living in, right? It's mm-hmm. the Middle Ages. But here's the funny thing about the Middle Ages that a lot of people don't realize that I love about it. Mm. Is that prior to the very height of the high Middle Ages, so we're talking 13th century, which mm-hmm. is pretty much 13th, 14th century, so end of Middle Ages. I, okay, there's a debate. I agree with my advisor and great, one of my favorite people who's ever walked on the planet, Gabrielle Spiegel, that um, the Middle Ages end around 1350 because that's when the Black Plague hit and when you lose over half of the population, I think that signifies the end of an era, mm-hmm. personally. A change. It's a solid change. So it's about a thousand years because 372 is when constant... um, uh, Shit, what's his name? Uh, One of the sea Roman kings, emperors. He saw Apollo, the god in sun, on a battlefield, but then he decided it was Christ and decided to adopt Christianity Mm-hmm. In 372. And so Christianity became the formal religion. I can tell you all of this, but God forbid I remember his name. Christianity yeah. became the formal religion of the Roman em- Holy Roman Empire. Not mm-hmm. the Holy, sorry, the Roman Empire. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about the Holy Roman Empire. Oh, please. The, the Roman Empire. And that generally signifies to most historians the beginning of the end of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Is they're like, God, Jesus is our God. And everyone's like, you've gone too big. Mm-hmm. You're collapsing. You have no infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You're building an infrastructure, but it's just not working. Mm-hmm. So so this is where we are, right? It's 
it's 11.02. And, and we're in Normandy. We're in Normandy and we're in England. And in Oxfordshire, Henry I, who is the youngest son of William the Conqueror. Okay. And his wife, Matilda of Scotland, who is herself a pretty cool person, have a daughter named Matilda. I believe she's their first. Oh, it's that that classic thing. She's where you, their like, first name your kid child. after yourself. Well, see, here's the funny thing about Matilda of Scotland, mm-hmm. um, is that she's the daughter of Malcolm the Third and Saint Margaret. Okay, I know a lot about Saint Margaret. I absolutely loathe Saint Margaret. Oh my! God. I don't want to talk about her. She will never be on this. She'll be on this podcast. I would. She will never be on this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to say it now. <laughs> she probably will be just so I can talk about how much I hate her. I've never seen you this angry. Um, you will when I talk about fucking Bernard of Clairvaux. Oh wow! Oh, this kind. Anyway, you know, so, on a quick side note, I please. do just want to say. I have no knowledge of any of these people, and this is just gibberish to me. I'm, so we're diving directly in. I'm trying really hard to make it clear, and it's not happening. So let's just talk. So Henry the Henry the First um has 22 illegitimate children. It's a good number. And when he marries Matilda, she's. I mean, her mom becomes a fucking saint. Mm. They're quite religious. Mm-hmm. Um, who is? Who isn't? Right. You know? It's the time. Think If you think about the time period, you think about, like, how important all of that is to you. When the world is truly dictated by an omniscient being mm-hmm. who is is not so content just to let things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when actual illnesses come and wipe out the population of a country, mm-hmm. it's because you've done something bad. Mm. Like, when that's real. Mm. Think about that. So, when your mom becomes a goddamn saint, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, not shabby, I would so say. She, so, Matilda of Scotland and Henry I are married. Henry's the youngest son of William the Conqueror, and in my notes I went, so all very Norman. Just, he's from, William the Conqueror was Duke William from Normandy. Just, just it's a great note. These inside jokes. Just, <laughs> I'm living for this. <laughs> I should have gotten a map. Um, no, no, no. This has to be done without a map. <laughs> so, Henry, yeah, Henry, Henry had about 22 illegit- illegitimate children, all of whom became quite important. All of whom who lived became quite important. 50% child infant mortality. Should okay. have said that. 11. Uh, right. Um, 11's not a bad number. I think most of them actually made it. You're kidding. I wouldn't joke about that. Wow. It's impressive. And when we say made he it, wasn't we talk about like clearing the age he wasn't, of 10 or like. Yeah, actually. <laughs> okay. No, five. I think it's five. If you made it past five, you were like, oh, you're not a child. Oh, you that's did cute. It. Yeah, because um, at five, it's like, why don't you rule the country? I mean, it was 50% chance that you died before you turned one. Right. So. Cute. Adorable. Love baby. They, people have this weird notion, sidebar, <laughs> that medieval parents didn't love their children. And that's not true. Of course they did. You suffered a lot more in childbirth then. You probably died in childbirth then. There was an aggressively high rate of um, maternal mortality during mm-hmm. childbirth. And of course you loved them. They just happened to die more often. And so, you know, you're not seeing people losing their shit over one kid because you had to have another few just to make sure that when one di- You had a contingency plan. So it wasn't right. callous. And also you had a couple a, blanket backups. Yeah, you had to. Right. I like that term so much, blanket backup. <laughs> so, again, back to my notes. Please. There, it was a who's who in Western European politics at the court when she was growing up. 
That was an actual thing I wrote. Meaning a lot of really important figures that you read about in the 12th century were actually at the court she was growing up up in. So it's really cultured. I mean, a truly. A lot of cool influences. A lot of really cool people, including Anselm, who became St. Anselm, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Mm-hmm. Um, and so William Adeline, who was her younger legitimate brother, the only other legitimate child that Henry and Matilda, the only two legitimate children that Henry and Matilda had that lived were Matilda and William Adeline. Mm. And he was younger than her, still preceded her in term of rank. So she was not the heir because primogenitures in case in in status so actually not technically in England and France it's becoming more and more secure that this is going to be the case but primogeniture just means the eldest son mm-hmm. the eldest son um, will inherit everything right there used to be the case in um, and this is Anglo-Norman court so this used to be the case in like Anglo-Saxon court before the Normans invaded so 1066 is when William the Conqueror invaded so before then it's it's the Anglo-Saxon era, right? This is all just in your brain. It just is floating in there. It's just living in my brain. That's this sick. is what I deal with every day. No, um, no, that's I think about that literally why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in the Anglo-Saxon era, you, you know, it wasn't necessarily the case that the eldest son would inherit everything. It was that land would be divided. But the problem is you weaken an estate that way. So primogeniture was very appealing to a person wanting to keep their power concentrated because you could literally keep the power concentrated. Mm -hmm. My entire senior thesis was about how changes in landholding policy and inheritance practices affected the, and I know this is anachronistic, political agency of women (laughs) in the Middle Ages. Political agency is not a term that my advisor liked that I used, and I don't care. Um, I had to take it out. I still refer to it that way. So she was actually, sorry, so Matilda was left (laughs) in the care of Anselm in 1108. Okay. Six. Um, and then around that time, 1108-1109, Henry V, who's the king of the Romans, he sent an envoy to Normandy, um, and he wants to marry Matilda. He, he like, sends out someone for, to feel out the to young feel, ladies. To put the feelers out. No, specifically this young lady. Oh, he already knew. He already knows because she's the daughter of the king of England. Right. And he was, like, six perfect wedding. I mean, this, this is, like, isn't planning uncommon. for the future. Yeah. Like, let me put a mark on you, and when you're 18, no we'll smang. Age of consent's 12. Of course. Um, So not 18. 18, right. you should have century, about 12,000 children. Age of consent is 12. Not 12th century. This is up into, I believe, the 19th century. Sure. I I'm I just thought it was sure. cute, the 12 and the 12. I think that I'm sure stuck. if you go to some parts of rural America, age of consent <laughs> is... Like 13. That is a controversial thing to say. I don't think I'm Mara. wrong. <laughs> I think age of consent is literally 15. For marriage. Uh, in like Alabama. I Fuck actually, Alabama. I really don't doubt that. Anyway. <laughs> Alabama. So really, really it's not that different. having a time right now. So he wants to marry Matilda because she's really important. And she has a lot of money. Mm. She's got a lot of fucking money. Mm-hmm. So they're like, you know what? Solid match. King of the Romans... He's probably going to become the Holy Roman Emperor. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Henry's like, love this match. Great. Henry, her dad. There's mm-hmm. a lot of Henrys in this story. And actually, my favorite thing about Matilda mentions the name Henry, and you'll see at the end. All right. So, it's like I'm teasing you. <laughs> so, with about 10,000 marks in her dowry, they negotiate at a royal council meeting in Westminster and in around June of 1109. 
and they decide that this is going to take place. And the really cool thing about that is that she probably sat in on that royal council meeting. Huh. So she's being included in the education. Like, her education is being Is that rare? That. that feels Very rare. Very rare. Yeah, that feels so rare. So she's being educated by the same tutor as her brother. Usually you would have a separate tutor. Um, and sh- she was included in the royal council meeting where they discussed her own betrothal. That's so weird. It's so cool. That's, like, do we know why? No. We can only imagine that it's because Henry knew that she would be, her father, knew that she would be put into a position where she would have to rule. And again, this is a note that I love about the early to high Middle Ages, Mm -hmm. is that women weren't, you know, excluded from politics. Mm -hmm. You were very much included. Mm -hmm. Because at the, and this is my thesis, um, is that at the time, you know, if you held land, land is the source of power, and and so if you, you know, had the land, you were able to wield the power. That was part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more complicated than that. But so Matilda, as the daughter of the King of England, the granddaughter of William the Conqueror and a goddamn saint, um, on the other side, you know, she she just ends up being this unbelievable political figure. And a lot of other women... Up until again, about a century or two later, are still wielding this kind of power, mm-hmm. and that's something that I think is such a hallmark of the Middle Ages that a lot of people don't get, and that's one of the reasons I love it so much. Is mm-hmm. that this is a time where, yeah, it's a little odd that she was included, but it's not that odd. Mm-hmm. It's weird, but it's not that weird, mm-hmm. and it's not that weird, especially because she's royal. Had she been of any other birth, completely different. Mm. You're poor. You all died anyway, right? It was sucky. Yeah. It was shit for everyone. Literally, you were covered in shit. But, like... Right. Not covered, but it was a good fertilizer. But, um... I... You know, I... Uh, all up to the imagination, so... So, June 1109, she's betrothed. 10,000 marks, and she's in the meeting where she hears about all this. Again, she is seven. Um, Lit. Lit. In February of 1110, she leaves for Germany. hmm To go meet her betrothed. Um, it officially happened on the 10th of April, and then on the 25th of July, she was crowned the Queen of the Romans. Let's talk about this age gap. Mm. He's 25. She's 8. That's not bad. That could be worse. (laughs) Your face. I wish I know it could be worse. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you about so many worse ones. Uh, It's just the fact that she's 8. I I truly was kidding. That's horrific. (laughs) Um... And only four years later, they're officially married. Great. Um, so 12 and 29, correct? Mm-hmm. Cool. Again, age of consent. Um, of course. And so she, for those four years, is being educated in all manner of things. German, political, language. Mm-hmm. I mean, she probably spoke. She, we know that, I mean, primarily the language in the Anglo-Norman court is French. Uh-huh. Uh, then maybe English. Uh-huh. felt like it. Probably uh-huh. not. Yeah. Uh, Latin. And... Uh, like German, like twelve miles down. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was educated in that, and so things are going fine for this couple. By all accounts, they were actually a really happy couple, which is really weird because of the age gap. But if you think about it, she's being raised mm. knowing she's married him, right? And so, and by all accounts, he was very handsome and very kind and very respectful toward mm-hmm. her. And yes, it was a political match, but they weren't unhappy. Mm. Um, and he respected her. He respected her status. That becomes really important to Matilda is that people respect her status. Mm-hmm. Like, that's huge for her. Mm-hmm. Um, which I love. Um, 
So things are going fine until Henry arrests his chancellor, whose name is Adelbert. Let's get into that. I know I'm not saying that right, and I don't care. And he I mean, his... I'd love to know how that's spelled. A-D-A-L-B-E-R-T. Adel. Adalbert? Adalbert? Name of my first child. Settled. See, Done. I... If we ever get to talk about some fave Anglo-Saxons, mm-hmm. um, those names... Mm-hmm. We should just do a recording of me saying those names terribly. It is... I mean, they I are my favorite thing in the world. My friends in college, when I was writing my thesis, would just come over and I would just, I would save the names that I was reading about and like just read them to them. They're incredible. They are, El Gifu is one of them. See, you know how like fashion goes in waves and like right now we're kind of doing the 90s? We're, they're back with a righteous I'm force. hoping El Gifu comes that we back. can get these names kind of trending back. Do you know the best part about El Gifu is that Edith was another name mm-hmm. and that one stuck. So why did Edith stick? This is a question for linguists, I think. Yeah. I'm not a linguist. I know Hello, nothing about linguist. It. Hi. <laughs> Hit us up. Hit us up. Let me know why. <laughs> what happened to El Gifu? Put it in the comments. Ethelbert. Are there comments in a podcast? You know, I think there can be. To reiterate, I've never listened to a podcast. <laughs> I've only ever listened to like three. Prime numbers, everybody. Prime numbers. Anyways. So he arrests his chancellor, Adelbert. And other princes, and that leads to an obvious rebellion. So the Pope, Pascal III, excommunicates, excommunicates Henry and Matilda, which is no good. Mm. Why? Because it's bad. Church is important. <laughs> when your soul is in actual peril, you're going to spend eternity literally in hell. Or worse, purgatory. Well, that sounds bad. It's bad. So yeah. what do Henry and Matilda do? Well... They fucking cross the Alps and they're like, we're going to go talk to this goddamn Pope himself in Italy. We're going to go to Italy. Ballsy. They just decide to go. Mm-hmm. So in 1116, they're going to settle, and I quote myself, Pope probs. Um, by this point, she was fully entrenched in ruling imperial government, and again, I quote myself, like a boss. Um, she's issuing patents. She's granting um, charters. She's doing things that are demonstrate uh, demonstrative of the fact that she is actually a ruling body, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent some time to establish their control in northern Italy. So basically invading, but we're not using that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in, in around early 1117, they actually advanced to Rome. Pascal's a little bitch, and uh, he's like, fuck. So he runs away. His envoy is Maurice Bourdin. Say it. Say it. Say it for me. Can you point to it? Even if I do, you Your won't. Your notes are frantic. Maurice Bourdin. Say it the French way that I know. Maurice Bordeaux. Thank you so much. Yeah, I got you. Guys, did you just get chills? Guys, like someone's <laughs> listening to this. Um, All the French people were like, eh. Mediocre. Eh. Mediocre French. Say that in French. <laughs> mediocre? Yeah. No. Say it. It'll hurt me. It won't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Okay. Um, he is later the anti-pope Gregory the, the eighth. So he's, a, he's an anti-pope. Uh, we love those. We on, on this find them channel. honestly fascinating. Um, and he's like, so I know that my boss left me here, but like, I'm just going to go ahead and crown you. Okay. Because in order to become Holy Roman Emperor, you had to be crowned by the Pope. Okay. Um, and you were, generally speaking, elected by other major nobles and then crowned by the Pope. So in 1111, Henry had, again, this is Henry, her husband, um, had been crowned he coerced the pope into crowning him but matilda wasn't crowned Mm -hmm. so matilda's only crowned by this maurice bourdin who becomes the Mm anti-pope and so it kind of puts into question her status as empress 
mm-hmm. um, because he it was iffy whether or not he was actually had the power to invest her with that, and also the ceremony was literally ambiguous. Right. So her status as empress is somewhat unclear. But she decided for the rest of her goddamn motherfucking life to use the status as empress, which I love. So for the rest of her life, she uses the title. She was like, we didn't go all the way to Italy for me to not use this title. I haven't married you when I was eight. Right. She was like, I deserve this. I didn't leave my country when I was like seven. I flip and deserve this. I deserve empress. I'm the wife of an emperor. Literally. And I rule. Literally. I'm literally ruling. Yeah, wow. And she chose not to correct later Anglo-Norman chroniclers who recorded that the Pope himself had crowned her. She just, mm. like, let that happen, even mm-hmm. though that's not what happened. So when that report came out, she was just like, sure. Which I fucking love. So so this is what's happening. 1118, about a year later, Henry decides he needs to return to Germany because there are a lot of rebels. So Matilda's literally ruling Italy as his regent. Mm-hmm. Just, she, he leaves her there. And for, an, you know, around two years, that's the case. Um, in 1119, she meets Henry to discuss their excommunication with the Pope. And then in 1122, they were probably at the Council of Worms, which is really famous to all of us medievalists as the end of the investiture controversy. Mm. Investiture. Ooh, investiture. It's like entrepreneurial. I, I couldn't, I used to not be able to say that word. I think you did it. I've worked on it. I'm proud investiture. of you. Investiture. Investiture controversy. Wow. Um, which is a, actually, Council of Worms is a really famous meeting that happened between the church and a state. And it was basically over the fact who had the power to invest a bishop with the, with the title. Mm. Is it the Pope? Mm. Is it a secular ruler? So there's this huge debate. And Henry's at the center of it. And so in 1122, they were probably at that council to mm. debate it. She mm-hmm. was there. Mm-hmm. She was fucking there. We're on to the second page, guys. Page two. So they're traveling, but Henry gets cancer. And we actually know he gets cancer. Um, Wow. And their childlessness at the time, they're still not, they still don't have children, was attributed to the fact that he's very sinful because of his actions against the church. Um, So they are without heir. Um, His heir is right now his nephew, their nephew, Frederick. Yikes. Um, So he gets cancer. She's still quite young. She and then on the twenty third of May in eleven twenty five he dies in Utrecht. Um, and do we know what type of cancer? I don't. I don't. I think it was. I think why did I read stomach cancer somewhere? Just horrendous. But he lived for three years after. I don't know why. It's just like interesting to imagine people in like eleven hundred. Yeah, that's wild. I know people think of it as such a modern disease, but I mean, I don't know why. Catherine of Aragon was said to have died from cancer. Um, oh. Yeah. I mean, depressing throughout the ages. So but, fucking depressing. And we still for some haven't reason, worked it out. Yeah. I just assumed everybody just died early just because conditions were... I terrible. mean, this was one of the reasons. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, that was a side I know. It's... it's. I mean, it's... it's a, When I first... I remember first reading that going, they knew? Yeah. But yeah. They did. He had cancer. Um, huh. Watch it been like skin cancer. Yeah. So That's like, what I would get. Like, really... <laughs> I'm very pale. I don't go in the sun. Did, wait. Let's take a sidebar here. From my brother's graduation. I see your little sunburn. It's a tiny one, and you can see and the And I thing, can see the wristband. But they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I'm obsessed. There's one here. There's one on my neck. My, my little, family my affectionately referred to as, I used to have a line here that was my cardigan tan. Because I always wore a three-quarter length cardigan. Cardigan. You if you don't put this in this podcast, I'm I not cutting ed- I'm not editing God. anything. <laughs> Do you think I know how to edit? No. <laughs> we're just talking. Jeez Louise. 
No, I had a cardigan tan. Oh my tan. god. <laughs> and I used to play golf, so we used to have the most awful tans. It was a you had a farmer's tan. You had a tan where your socks ended at your ankles. You had a tan, a, a credit card length above your knee. You had a polo shirt tan. And then I'm insane. And so I like the fact that my hair got a little blonder in the sun, so I wore a visor. So I would get like a sunburn on my scalp, even though I tried to pull it back. Jesus. You get back with the neck tans too. That's some white shit right there. It is. <laughs> the fact that I'm half Middle Eastern has nothing to do with anything ever in my life. <laughs> if you ever met oh my me, God. you would just assume. A golf tan. <laughs> I love that so much. Everyone would get them because you're outside. No, I love it. But mine was just very funny. Mine are just like I remember when I was a kid. I have to, I used to have to like put on big t-shirts when I would go swimming at the beach because I still put on because I would get really bad back tans or burns. Do you know what my it's dad? Not a tan. Let's all be honest here. It's a burn. <laughs> let's be real. They're burns. My dad uh, just this past September went to Hawaii with my family, mm. and uh, while snorkeling, although I'm completely covered, I got what my dad affectionately referred to as snorkel butt. Which is the sunburn on the side of your ass. Right. And the back of your legs. It is... And even the back of your calves. That's good for sitting. It's excruciating to sit. That sounds great for sitting. I was outside in the sun snorkeling no more than 20 minutes. (laughs) Later on, we were sitting on the beach, and to protect the front of my legs, which were legitimately glowing, my sister and my best friend covered me in sand so I wouldn't fry. In some ways... Genius. It worked. <laughs> in some ways. The snorkel butt was there. Brilliant. In uh, other ways, definitely other ways to do that. I still have that tan line. Do you really? How I'm recently was that? It. September. For everyone tuning in. <laughs> it's May. It's, <laughs> it is May. It's May. 2019. <laughs> let's get back to Matilda. Okay. Let's get back to another era. So, 11-25, her husband Henry dies. Mm-hmm. And... Matilda's left under the protection of their nephew and his heir, Frederick. Stupid Adalbert, as I say, Mm. returns and convinces her to give him the imperial insignia, um, which he then uses to elect Lothar of Supplenburg, the new king of the Romans, who was Henry's major enemy. Mm. So, fuck you. She's 23. Okay. I know you are. I'm always 23. No, you are. (laughs) We're the same age. She's widowed. She's childless. What have I done? Um, <laughs> same. And she decides to go back to Normandy without her estates. She leaves them. Mm. Um, she decides to give them uh, up. She doesn't care. Okay. And uh, But do you know what she does take? Her personal collection of jewels. Her imperial regalia. Two of Henry's crowns. And the relic of the hand of St. James the Apostle. Same. <laughs> Those become big issues and I fucking love it. So she's, she's so back in England. We're back in England. Very good. We're gonna go back a little bit in time to discuss a few things. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> Bring it on. In 1120, there was this really famous thing called the White Ship Disaster. Okay, you've heard about. I'm sure. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> so it left the succession of the throne in doubt because how famous is it? How it's bad? Really fucking famous. How bad is it that I don't know what that is? Not bad. It's famous to medievalists. It's fine. Oh, okay. Well, it's then fine. it's not. It's really famous. <laughs> Lay it on me. What is it? 300 passengers died when a vessel foundered just outside of the English harbor. They were crossing from Normandy to England. They were all very drunk, and everything everything sunk. Okay. Everyone died, including the heir to the throne, her little brother, William Adeline. Okay, so that's not funny. No. It's, it's not. It's actually really sad. 
<laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You started it with this whole drunk thing, and I was like, They were all oh, very, because idiots. they were. But now and it's they were just fucking sad. Idiots. They crossed at night while drunk. <laughs> The sea is a scary, that crossing scary place. Remained one of the most dangerous crossings in like throughout history. Many people have died or gotten very ill or almost even doing it the right way. Even doing it the right motherfucking way, and mm. they were wasted. It just goes to show what a good time alcohol can be. I mean, as someone who has a sip of wine and is just trolloped, like <laughs> sure. Quick Smirnoff ad here. <laughs> put it in yeah because we have sponsors because you're not gonna edit this <laughs> no i'm not um so going back to what we were talking about since william the conqueror there hadn't really been a rule of succession laid out and so all of them had been very contested and very bloody there wasn't mm-hmm. any peaceful transitions mm-hmm. um her mom matilda uh matilda's mom matilda mm-hmm. of scotland daughter of saint margaret of course that bitch um died in 1118 i broke i'm sorry so henry got a new lady Adeliza? I've never known how to say it. Of Louvain. Say it. No, I think you can just L O U V A I N. L O U V A I N. Yeah, you're right. Louvain. It just sounds amazing. All right. You know what? <laughs> they I'm had being, no kids. I'm being though. exploited for my French side. 100% here. you are. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? feel I? like a cog in your game <laughs> to just say things better in a French accent because you're French. I'm being used. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know. That's why I'm here. Um, that nothing else <laughs> no other reason and my deep deep interest in education <laughs> so he got a new lady Adelisa of Louvain and yes. perfect they get married but cause he's like fuck I need another heir mm-hmm. this is actually before no, this is after he dies I think after William dies but um, they don't end up having any kids so he's looking for a literal pool of legitimate heirs mm-hmm. and Stephen of Law um, who's the son of Henry's sister, Adela, mm-hmm. um, was married to the Countess of Bologna. Um, Boulogne, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that right. Whatever. And so he was married to her, and Stephen um, becomes central to the story, but hold on. Um, but he he has so many illegitimate children. They're all very powerful in their own right, but they are illegitimate, and they mm-hmm. cannot be legitimized to become king mm-hmm. um so henry ends up settling upon matilda as his heir which works out because her husband's just dead mm-hmm. died so she ends up coming back um to normandy and at 
Christmas in 1126, all of the Anglo-Norman barons were gathered to swear fealty to Matilda as Henry's heir and that her heirs should be heir as well, mm. which is amazing. Mm. Is that unusual? Like, that has never happened. Wow. Um, by this action, mm-hmm. Matilda should have been mm-hmm. the first queen regnant of England. Regnant in Latin meaning ruling in her own right. Right. Should have been. Okay. Some drugs. Get ready for some yeah, heartbreak. Some shit's about to go um, down. So she's, she's established as heir. Um, and... So in early of 1127, just a few, maybe a month later, Henry's starting to look for a new husband for Matilda. She's only 23, 24, Mm -hmm. um, maybe 25 now, math, um, 25. (laughs) And so they're looking for a new husband and they settle upon Geoffrey of Anjou. And because he needs to help secure, he is a very contentious lord and likes to fuck with people. And so he's a lot younger than Matilda though. She's not happy. Mm -hmm. Um, so she and he was only a, the son of um, of a count, and so she felt marrying him was beneath her because she is an empress. Mm. Still, I mean, she is. She is technically not, but she is. No, no, no. She, she is. is in her brain. She is in my brain. She is too. I mean, that's what's important. So she feels that marrying Jeffrey is very much beneath her. Also, he's twelve. Um, twelve years younger than her. So he's, thir- he's like, thirteen. Is that the origin of the cougar? I wish I could say so. Mm. But no. <laughs> There's a few millennia of it action sure goes before back. this. Um, we'll be covering that on the next episode. <laughs> literally no. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so Jeffrey's chosen. He's the son of um, Folk of Anjou. Mm-hmm. And he has already made a name for himself. He's 13. But he's like fucking ready. And so he's had she mitzvah. ends up... He's had his... Yes. Yes, he has. Um... <laughs> What do Catholics do? I don't know. I'm a Jew. Um, a bad one. <laughs> a very bad half Jew. Um, Most are Jew-ish. <laughs> so many bad. Just a bad joke. Just terrible. Had to throw one in, though, you know? <laughs> Totes. All the other ones were good. All the other ones were brilliant. Mm-hmm. So she ends up getting convinced mm-hmm. um, to marry him, betrothed to him. So in May of 1127, they're betrothed, and they're married in June of 1128. And they hated each other. Mm. So they were separated pretty early on in their marriage. But in 1131, they end up becoming reconciled. And in 1133, she gives birth to a boy named Henry. Oh. The so third she sleeps story. with the kid. Yes, but in 1133. They were married in 1128. So, math. He was, in 1127, he was 13. So, 14. He was probably 17, right? Sure, but she's like 30, right? Yeah. Okay. But that's a little better. Okay. Then 12? You might not convince me on this one, but that's okay. I mean, she was 12 when she had to make... Listen. a 20-something-year-old. Sure. So. In 1133... I'm I'm stuck in my 2019 ways. You you know know? what? I understand, and I'm very used to this. Um, (laughs) She's old. Call me crazy. She's really old by this point. She's having a kid, though. In 1133, she has Henry. That's pretty cool. 1134, she has a son, Jeffrey. Uh, she actually almost died, though. It was a really traumatic birth, and so she made arrangements for her will, but ended up being fine, mm. which is really interesting because most of the time, again, in the Middle Ages, this wasn't that uncommon for a lot of women right. to make arrangements for your will, especially if you had land, and she did. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
uh, it was still kind of interesting. And the most important thing to come out of that was the fact that Henry, so overjoyed by the birth of a second grandson, because mm-hmm. again, he's been suffering. He has no heirs. Mm. His son, who lived to adulthood, died. You mm-hmm. know, like it, it, it's right. tragic. Um, Henry demanded a second row, a round of oaths from his nobility to support her. Mm. So this is the second time these fuckers are told to support her. Mm. Foreshadowing. But then relations between Henry and Matilda, her dad and her, become a little bit strained. um, Because he isn't giving her access to her dowry, her dower lands. And um, that's not cool. And so she and Geoffrey, who by this point are, I'm going to comfortably say, allies? um, (laughs) They end up uh, kind of fighting and supporting rebel forces or going to throw daddy. But he ends up dying in 1135, Henry. Mm-hmm. So Matilda and Henry were supporting, like I said, rebels, and they were gathering forces to claim her dower lands, but they were ultimately forced to stop because of a rebellion in Anjou, and she was very pregnant with her third son, William. And Stephen of fucking Blois, as I call him, decided to take the throne, even though he'd sworn two oaths and was so very quickly crowned king. He was crowned so motherfucking quickly. He just swooped on in there and did it. Mm. Little bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Norman nobility was like, but you have an older brother, Theobald. And um, and they wanted him crowned because he was the eldest grandson of William the Conqueror. Well, that makes sense. It yeah. makes a lot more sense. Yeah. But uh, with the news that Stephen already was crowned, they're like, eh. Okay. What? They just let it they happen? Let they it happen. They just like, okay, it happened. Whatever. On the 22nd of July in 1136, Matilda mm. had William... And for the next three years, she and I quote, operated, which is so cool, out of the border region of Argentina, with Angevin power growing in the region. So Anjou, Angevin. That's how that works. Okay. The Angevin forces become really, really important for the next, like, hundred years in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is kind of the beginning of the concentration. That folk of Anjou was very powerful. His son, Geoffrey, marries the daughter of the King of England and an empress, um, you know, and so they are concentrating their power and they like to kind of go around borderlands and be like, this is mine. Mm-hmm. This is mine. Mm-hmm. It's mine now, you mm-hmm. know? And so they're kind of little bitches and I love them. Um, but she also has a lot of important dower lands that she's like, these are mine. I, you were, I had to marry this shit. This is my castle. You right. know, I deserve this. I deserve this. Mm-hmm. This was literally the price. Mm-hmm. This is the price, but it's mine. And w- women were allowed to hold, for a time, their dower lands in their own possession, which is really fucking cool. Um, Angevin power is growing in this region um, near Argentin, Argentin, and I'm not going to ask you to say, even though it would be so much prettier. Argentin. Thank you. Yep. So much. Do you want it a second time? Yeah. Argentin. Yeah, there you go. It's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's just had a baby, and William's like her fave, so. Um, she couldn't have known that he was a child. William's the third one, third, right? The third. She yeah. has three sons, which is sick. Yeah. Um, and so she's operating out of this region. She's uh, Jeffrey would go into Normandy and like fuck with everyone. Mm-hmm. So at first he was trying to conquer lands, but that wasn't that successful. So he would just go in and like raise the town and be like bitches mm-hmm. and then leave. Mm-hmm. And so he was a menace, like to the land, mm-hmm. which is now being ruled. Normandy and England are are together at this point still. Mm-hmm. Oh my. <laughs> that was exciting. <laughs> Stephen was forced to then make an informal alliance with them because of how much shit okay. Jeffrey was causing. But then the, and this is the greatest thing I've discovered from 
doing research to specifically talk to you. I have read about Stephen of Blois for many years, mm-hmm. and I wanted to refer to him as a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. I realize those initials are the same. Oh. He's an SOB. He's also SOB. Sob. <laughs> He's a son of a bitch, and his name is Stephen of Blois. Say Blois for me. I like B L O I S. Blois. See, that's the thing is, I always have Blois. Blois. Yeah. It's like a. It's not it's a, a great blah. word. It's, it's a not horrendous a great word. word. I mean, he's a even French can't make that sound nice. <laughs> you did though. Oh, thanks so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Are you getting really bored yet? No, actually, okay. not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then the sob tried to take her estates. He's like, we're friends now, and he's like, fuck you, I want your estates. Okay. But his forces deserted him. Mm. So he's like, I'll just pay Jeffrey 2,000 marks a year for peace along the Norman border. Mm-hmm. So he's effectively, I mean, this isn't dissimilar to paying fealty to someone. Mm-hmm. And so like you're, I mean, it's not, sim- it's not the same, but it's not, it's basically like, I'm, I can't fight you. You'll win. Here's money. Right. Um, so it's really like, you're a little bitch. Mm. Stephen Abois. Abois. Um, So Robert of Gloucester is Matilda's half-brother. He's one of the most powerful barons in the realm. Um, And in 1138, he rebels against Stephen, and he starts the beginning of the the civil war that centers around the claim to the throne. Um, And he restarts efforts for Matilda's claim. Up until then, it it had died down. Um, People weren't that thrilled with Stephen, but they were like, fine. Um, His reign ends up becoming known as, in all capitals, the Anarchy, which is just so satisfying um (laughs) but so jeffrey's taking that opportunity of robert's rebellion against stephen Mm -hmm. um jeffrey's like fuck you i'm gonna invade normandy again Mm -hmm. and matilda's like yes and matilda's uncle her david of scotland right who is actually a very famous king of scotland then reinvaded the north of england and they're all backing her claim so simultaneously robert of gloucester's like fuck you stephen jeffrey's like i just feel like running around Normandy again. Uh-huh. And David of Scotland's like, North of England is mine! Because that's what happens with the Scots, right? They see a chance and they run in there and they're like, I will get Yorkshire! And then everyone's like, you want it? It's rainy. Um, <laughs> and he's like, so is Scotland! And it's a whole thing. Um, I have umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm prepared. Is that like why barber coats are so great? And like wellies? Oh, God. Oh, wow. Let me move to England. I watched a 60 Minutes episode on the making of those. It was pretty fascinating. I need to hear about this at another time, I think. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Done. So her, and I, it's literally called an invasion. Her invasion officially began in the summer of 1139. Mm-hmm. This is a mother of three. Twice married. Yep. Daughter of a king. Granddaughter of one of the most famous kings ever. Uh-huh. Granddaughter of a motherfucking saint. Fuck her. Um, and, and she's like, I will have what is mine unbelievable um and so with some minor setbacks she and robert of gloucester and 140 knights land in arundel in september of 1139 and they stayed in arundel 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 whatever i think i'm just thinking of arundel which is the thing from frozen it's arundel i caught you i caught that i caught that too now i'm not sure i think it's arundel (laughs) so they stayed in arundel castle and stephen's besieging the city but he weirdly let her go even though he trapped her in the castle he's like i guess you can go because in his mind robert of gloucester was the one creating the the Mm. chaos Mm -hmm. he didn't he underestimated her right bad decision you stupid stupid man just dumb Matilda then establishes control in Gloucester and Stephen was forced to give up his western campaign 
and um, some more people started to defect toward her cause. So this is this is ends up being a very long, very drawn out conflict. Matilda ends up so besides Wales mm-hmm. and what Stephen has in a lot of like mainland if you will, it's an island, England, Mm -hmm. a lot of Western England, except for Wales, like I said, but like Southwestern England is literally in Matilda's control, Mm -hmm. which is so fucking cool. And she has a lot of experience in ruling. So it's, it's even better. Mm -hmm. Um, So actually between 1139 and 1141, she refers to herself as a femme soul. What? Um, Meaning, you know, it's highlighting her independence. She wow. she's an independent woman, and in official documents, that's how she refers. She's to a herself. solo lady. She's a solo lady. She issued coins in her name, um, and had an imperial seal created, which was round. I which would is love normally, to see those. Oh, I can show you. Yeah, round, seals were normally created for women if they were ovular. Mm. Uh, hers were round, hmm. which were how king's seals were done. Wow. She just took the initiative. That's like a weird uh, distinction. It's a very weird distinction, but I it's... I wonder what the difference is between an oval and a circle. Um, like, probably just... that a oval has weak points and a circle doesn't. Because, you know, we're weak. Love that. I'm glad I clarified. I, I mean, <laughs> generally speaking, a ra- round is, like, seen as a pretty holy... The trinity... I mean, think about, like, things that are... This is getting into weird mysticism, but, like, Christian mysticism, which I don't... I know a little bit about, but, like... Mm. Something that is round is quite holy. Mm. The Holy Trinity, it's three points. It's, mm. it's, it's, there's something about roundness. Okay. Whereas an oval kind of subverts that. It's not quite there. Um, so most seals I've ever seen and studied of female mm-hmm. rulers mm-hmm. are ovals. The ovals that I've seen are like at Coney Island when you put a penny in. And then Think you, of that. And then you crank it out. Think of that. And then there's like a little sea otter on an oval. Exactly. But not. I was also going to say, like, ovulation maybe oval, but, you know, we're really getting deep into something that I, I think is not the point you're making. I don't know anything about it, but I would bet that they're related. <laughs> something, let's put the Coney Island coin together with ovulation, and somehow Call that equals... fucking day. That's an, it's the same thing. The oval It's coin. all very feminine. I love it. I'm glad. My ladies. I love my ladies. <laughs> Even though they have oval seals, I still love them. <laughs> Well, she doesn't. She has a circle. She has a round one. Like a goddamn bitch. Damn. Like a a dude. Mm. In 1141, more important people went to her side, including Ranulph of Chester. And in the Battle of Lincoln, Stephen... Better names. Better names. I'm liking these names. Stephen was actually captured. Mm. Well, bitch. Um, (laughs) Matilda took steps to have herself crowned. And she actually had an alliance with um, Stephen of Blois' brother, Henry, who was one of the most important clergy, uh, clergy members in England, mm-hmm. like a papal envoy. Like, he was extremely powerful. And he actually goes to her side for mm-hmm. a bit. Um, and they start getting support from Geoffrey of Mandeville. They actually got support from him. Geoffrey of Mandeville actually controlled the Tower of London. If you controlled the Tower of London, you pretty much controlled London. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the city was a little fearful. Of an invading army and of the new queen and queen, and so they rose to stop her. And mm-hmm. actually, Matilda and her retinue had to escape back to Oxford. Um, it was a little dangerous and it was a little weird. But had she been successful in that, she would have been crowned queen, and we would have had a first queen regnant. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so fickle. Geoffrey um, of Anjou, her husband, invades Normandy again, and because of all the troubles in England, he took a lot of land. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and his success and Stephen's weakness being captured and it began to influence a lot of other lords in England and they began to leave Stephen's faction because he looked so weak um Unfortunately, at the rout of Winchester, Matilda was defeated, and her alliance with Henry of Blois fell apart. And Stephen of Blois' wife, another Matilda, had been all this time literally fighting for his cause. So she was leading armies, gathering forces. This is another really powerful woman that Uh I don't care that much about. Um, If only because she was married to one of my least favorite people in history. Um, That's not her fault. No, it's not, but she fought for him. Um, And I know that, like, this is something I talk about in my thesis. But, like, you derive power from those in your life who are male at this time. Um, Matilda's power is, you know, is given from her father, from her first husband, her second husband. She is reliant upon men, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. She takes a lot of onus, but she is still somewhat reliant upon the men in her life to to allow that, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Um, if her father hadn't designated her heir, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. Um, so it's it's an interesting thing. So Matilda, Stephen's wife, has been fighting for his cause all the while, and she actually got an exchange release. So Robert of Gloucester and the Route of Winchester was captured, and so she got them to exchange prisoners. So Stephen gets released, and Robert gets released, which seems stupid, but Robert's very important, so mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> Again, Matilda was besieged by Stephen because, of course, he immediately started fighting her again. But she escapes with a handful of knights, crossed on an icy river on foot, and made her escape past the royal army. Just snuck out the back, crossed an icy river on foot. You're wearing a lot of heavy gowns. They're probably wool. Your slippers are not meant for you to walk on This feels like it's going somewhere bad. It's fascinating. There is a drawn-out struggle, and I wrote that in my version of all caps just very large letters Mm. a lot of people almost won a lot of people almost lost almost got captured etc this goes on for a very long time by the late 1140s the war was in a stalemate in 1147 Robert of Gloucester died and a lot of people left to actually go fight in the second crusade um, in 1145 so Mm -hmm. so toward the end of the 1140s this, this begins to become a problem and by this time her eldest son Henry Matilda's eldest son, Henry, begins to take a leading role in this conflict. Um, Matilda returns to Normandy in 1148, and she reestablishes her court in Rouen. Say it. R-O-U-E-N. R-O-U-E-N? Rouen? I don't know. Right? Yeah, I don't know that one. Stupid. Um, And she begins to exert her efforts to govern Normandy. And to support Henry's expeditions to England. So she begins to actually shift her focus. Hmm. Um, So Geoffrey sent the Bishop of T-H-E-R-O-U-A-N-N-E. Terouan. Terouan. To Rome. These words. Thank you. In 1148 (laughs) to actually campaign for Henry's right to um, inherit England. So again, it's it's shifted. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeffrey is very much invested with the fact that someone in his family is going to rule England. He becomes, I mean, he's fought a lot for this, but also he's he's been growing this empire. He becomes very, very powerful. And he's like, well, if my wife can't have it, through her descent, my son will have it. Um, and Matilda and Jeffrey made peace with Louis VII, who actually supported Henry's rights to Normandy. So again, Jeffrey's wreaking havoc in the north of France. He's fucking around. Mm-hmm. And Louis VII 
was not a huge fan because he's fucking around. Uh, Jeffrey's fucking around in the lands. And also, again, this is at the time when feudalism is still very much in play. And so um, Louis isn't actually all that powerful. Um, the kingdom of France is just the Ile de France. It's just that tiny little bit outside of Paris. And the rest are barons who, are, who swear fealty to him. It's mm-hmm. not so much about the actual king being powerful, especially in France. Mm-hmm. In England, the barons like to revolt all the fucking time. Mm. In France, they don't as much, but they're still treacherous little bastards. So, you know, Jeffrey's wreaking a lot of havoc, but they make peace. And also, Louis starts supporting Henry's, the baby son, mm-hmm. his right to inherit England. Because if they're all on the same side, it's better for all of them, because then Henry won't try and invade the rest of France. And Louis won't be a little dick and invade England. Mm. He couldn't. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about Louis. I can see them. In 1153, Henry returns to England with a small army. Some regional barons supported him. Um, but the people were really fucking tired and they didn't want to fight. So a peace was literally brokered. Um, by this point, Stephen's sons had died. And so Stephen, Henry had to acknowledge that Stephen was the king. But upon Stephen's death, he became the heir. He became the king. So Henry became Stephen's adopted son and mm-hmm. heir. Mm-hmm. So that was a compromise to this extraordinarily long, drawn-out battle mm. um, in a 30-year reign known mm. as the Anarchy. In 1154, Stephen died, SOB died, and Henry was crowned using the two imperial crowns that Matilda brought back with her in 1125. <laughs> she saved them. <laughs> She was like, oh, I actually have these crowns lying around. Isn't that so, perfect? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, wait, I've been... I actually had, had these. She's in, like, I think I have something in that. I have like a knapsack with some crowns in it I if got you want them. Yeah. Fascinatingly, Henry is married to my favorite person ever in history, who was Louis VII's first wife. Her name's Eleanor of Aquitaine. Mm. Okitan. And she... Mm. That's how I say it. Sure. Say it better. Aquitaine. Thank you. Yeah. Well, do you O-C-C-I-T versus A-U-Q? I like... I know the Angl- Angl- Anglicanized uh, version. I like the Q. The Q is interesting. I like the Q. Your face right now. <laughs> Aquitaine. Whatever. Um, whatever. So, Henry, you know, marries this extraordinarily powerful woman. She's 30. He's 19. And... Runs in the family. And uh, um, together they end up inheriting the throne of England. And Matilda, unfortunately, starts to begin taking a backseat. So she's becoming, throughout the, you know, for the past decade, not quite. She had been ruling more in Normandy and centralizing her power there. Mm-hmm. And so that's how she spent the remainder of her life. She spent a lot of them acting as Henry's representative and presiding over the rule of the Duchy of Normandy and Anjou. Mm. Uh Sorry, the county of Anjou. Mm-hmm. Um, charters were issued in their joint names. So she didn't let that go. So a lot of the time, and this was a big contentious thing for Eleanor, is that the mother was still such a huge influence. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I hated Matilda for a long time. Got it. I and, was going to ask him. Yeah. Um, and so she helped him mediate between... Uh, there was a huge issue with Henry and Thomas Beckett. Um, Thomas Beckett is the um, Archbishop of Canterbury. He ends up being executed by Henry... Um, one of Henry's greatest, the trials of his reign. Henry II, by the way, is one of the most important kings of England ever. Mm. Um, the reign that they established, I mean, obviously established by William the Conqueror, but the reign that they established, their blood is 
is in the current ruling mm-hmm. of all of Europe, by the way, not just England, but <laughs> ruling classes of them. That, because technically, like, the blood is probably more pure for the um, other houses that are ruling Europe right now, not the English throne, because, you know, they took a bit of a detour. Mm-hmm. It's fine. We'll talk about it. Um, but so Matilda actually helps to try and mediate between the two of them. It was before he executed Thomas Beckett, it was this really very, I mean, Thomas Beckett went to exile. It was this huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and she helped to secure, um, or helped in several other very delicate diplomatic problems and um, continued to govern Normandy for him. She loved her youngest son, William, loved him. And Henry loved his little bro. And he's like, you know what we should do? We should invade Ireland and give you the, the land. And Matilda's like, I like where you're going. I appreciate what you're saying. I want to give him some land too. Let's not have a costly expedition to a country that does not feel like they want us right now. Mm-hmm. Let's leave Ireland alone for the only time in English history. Let's leave Ireland alone. So they do. And so in um, so he got a lot of large grants of land in England as his dowry. So she was really important in doing that. There was a big controversy. Um, the Holy Roman Emperor, who was no longer Lothair, whatever the fuck his name was. Um, I think it was a Frederick. Maybe it was another Henry. Whatever. Um, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> You're telling me. I know. <laughs> um, and so he's like, we want that hand of St. James the Apostle that you took. And she's like, fuck you, no. Mm. They're giving a lot of money to the churches because people are coming to pay on, like, do pilgrimage to that church where the hand is. So I'm not going to give it back. Right. And he's like, I guess that's fine. Oh, he just lets He go just like gives that. up. Um, Damn. In her old age, she was said to be more easygoing, but the chronicler of Mont-Saint-Jacques... Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> Mont-Saint-Jacques, he met her around this time, said she appeared to be, and this is an actual quote, of the stock of tyrants. Oh, heck yeah. Um, she died on the 10th of September in 1167, and her remaining uh, wealth was given to the church. Rip. One of my favorite things is that her epitaph reads, Great by birth... Greater by marriage, greatest in her offspring. Here lies Matilda, the daughter, wife, and mother of Henry. Ooh. Ooh. Chills. That's sick. It's amazing. Damn. So there wouldn't be a queen regnant in England until 1553 with the ascent of Mary Tudor or Mary I. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd have to wait 400 almost 400 years for this event to happen but mm-hmm. this is the very abbreviated and wonderful and complex and sad and interesting life of Matilda the England the lady of England as she was known are you gonna clap don't fucking clap <laughs> <laughs> I should clap for you for I listening just, I just wanted a like a small clap that's what I wanted I just love her epitaph the first time I ever read it I got goosebumps I did I really I uh, again not to, you know, drive this point home too hard, but I really didn't know any of this. And that was, uh, I still got, I thought that was chilly, that last part. Great by birth. Yeah. Greater wow. by marriage. I like all the in her offspring. I know. I Here like lies Matilda, daughter, wife, and mother of Henry. It's kind of funny. Like, did she decide that? Yeah. Of course she wrote that. <laughs> Who else would have written that? I don't know. The some stock guy. of tyrants. Some guy. <laughs> no, she wouldn't have let that happen. <laughs> There's, like, some guy who, like, makes gravestones. He's like, this would be lit for this her. This would be so fucking cool for this bitch. <laughs> so, yeah, she she 
Wow. Who was 65 when she died. That has to be incredibly old. No, because Eleanor outlives her by like 20 years. <laughs> my bitch. My 100% true love in this world. No way. She, this is a, it's a much longer conversation with Elle. Ellie. Eleanor. I know this was an hour. <laughs> I'm aware. How long are podcasts? I guess is a question like this is, I have for I feel you. like this is a solid length. All right. Well, I'm glad. It got really formal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how do we wrap this up is my question. I was going to ask if you had a question for me. Oh, in that? No, there's definitely nothing to ask about. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like you learned anything? Yes, of course. (laughs) Do you feel like you would be interested in learning more about other wonderful ladies in history? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know... First of all, I'm starting with a base level of interest in, like, films and books that are of, you know, I mean, I love the drama. I love History is drama. You can't make this shit up. And I love drama. Yeah. We're both actors. (laughs) Don't tell them that. Keep that that on the DL. Don't tell them that. We're really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We won't start singing, even though we have the voices of an angel. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not yell at our audience. Never. This is episode one. (laughs) I love saying that. (laughs) I love the fact that maybe there's someone who would actually want to listen to this. I know that. Was this too dense? (laughs) Let me know if I should make these less dense. Put it in the comments below. (laughs) Um, I can try my best to not care as much about every detail. Like this was, by the way, this was me not caring as much about every detail. (laughs) There was a period of time. Everyone, there's five pages. of There was a period of time where I I wrote. And these are small lined notebooks. I just want to point that out too. Um, just a lot. <laughs> just like an extended period of time where there was struggle. I think mm. I just wrote, "Oops, yeah, trouble." There were some wars that I feel like were glossed over. The, I glossed over all the battles because I never really cared that much. Hey, about that's okay. Battles. That's okay. You're comforting <laughs> me, and I appreciate that. Hey, it's gonna be okay. I'm not <laughs> as emotionally distraught as I think you think I am about this. About me not caring about battles, but I very much appreciate. No, no, I'm just. I feel like we are okay without it. I agree. I didn't feel like I was missing a deep battle narrative in the midst of this. I'm glad because I will not give you one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sure works out. No, I feel like the the interpersonal relations are what get me. Me too. Yeah, I took the glasses off. Oh, because you're not reading anymore. To quote John Mulaney, to show that time had passed. Sorry. I guess we end with a John Mulaney quote. I guess we do. I don't think we'll make that a thing. I, I let's hard, just hard pass. Hard pass. Also <laughs> copyright. Um, he's just a genius, and we can love it. If you say his name first, is it a copyright still? I said. I think I said to quote. So uh, yeah, I, I attributed okay. it to him. So I think, I think that's okay. I'm fine. It's not plagiarism. If lawyers are coming after us for this, listen. I only know <laughs> Chicago. We had no citation. intentions. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I only know APA. <laughs> Chicago's so much better. Footnotes are the as love a psych of my life. minor. I only know <laughs> ABA. <laughs> That's so weird. Why? This is the best, obviously. No, Chicago's the best. Footnotes extended by papers by at least ten pages. This is a fight for another time. This is a fight for another time. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to our voices. If you ever have a suggestion for a lady you'd like to hear about, let me know. There will be no men. Uh, yeah, no men. If they were women who like to dress up as men, I'm so here Oh, for actually, it. put those as a priority on yeah. our list. <laughs> I have a few. Um, 
there are these two women in like the Victorian era or younger who, uh, earlier era who just like lived as lesbians together in like the west of England and like everyone just like let it happen my vote is to discuss that more I don't know that much about them but we can make that happen let's do a deep dive thanks guys thanks so much and really uh, appreciate it have a great week have a great life have a great have a wonderful life hope it's a good one a real good one same amazing we'll talk to you all soon bye bye <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend the Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.